Welcome to From the Front Porch, a conversational podcast about books, small business, and life in the South. It was in moments like this that Mama's eyes filled with an inscrutable gaze, one of joy and sadness, love and despair all at once. Only looking back at the scene through an adult lens do I see in the cracks of her face the sweet pain Mama must have felt in those moments. Gratitude for the little she had, heartbreak in needing it, confusion over what our lives had become. Chayan Julie Wong beautiful country. I'm Annie Jones, owner of The Bookshelf, an independent bookstore in beautiful downtown Thomasville, Georgia. And today I'm recapping the books I read in July. It is to me very hard to believe that we are already approaching the hardest month of the summer for me personally. It's just hard to believe that August is right around the corner. We are going to be doing some changes to the store's point of sale system, to our store website. And so there's a lot kind of looming in August. But first, we have to recap and look back at July, which was a very full month. I don't think when I first like plotted out my summer, I really took stock of how much I would be doing and what an adjustment it was from last summer and what we were all doing last summer. And so I was worried my reading kind of got put on the back burner this month. But instead, when I looked, I realized I'd read quite a few books. I just wound up kind of spacing them out a little bit. Uh, I was on the road a lot for market and for other various travels. And so it was a weird reading month for me. But when I look back, it's really not that bad. Like I I did better than I thought I did. So let that be a lesson to us all to be a little more gracious with ourselves. I kicked off the month with a book I had been looking forward to very, very much. But if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, we sold out of our initial stock of this title. And so I finally picked it up on our way to Birmingham for a little overnight trip we took. And I read it, I think, in one or two sittings kind of in the car on our drive to and back to and from Birmingham. It's Very Sincerely Yours by Carrie Winfrey. I adore Carrie Winfrey's adult novels. I've not read her young adult books, but I love her adult novels. They are rom-coms with heart and depth. They are sweet and funny and charming. And if you're a PG reader, I think these are pretty appropriate for you too. So if you've been hesitant maybe to do other romance books, I think these might be a good fun way to see if this genre might be for you. In Very Sincerely Yours, which I knew about after interviewing Carrie, I think for an episode of the podcast or for a um, an event we were doing, maybe a virtual event we did last year. I knew this book was coming. I knew she had been doing a lot of research and was writing this book with this male protagonist who was kind of inspired by Mr. Rogers and Jim Henson. And I wasn't sure how that was all going to come together, but I needn't have doubted. The book is truly lovely and delightful and fills you with all those kind of warm and fuzzy feelings I think we get when we think about Mr. Rogers and the differences he made. So our main character is Teddy. She is a little bit lost, has just suffered from a breakup. She moves out of her boyfriend's home and kind of starts over. And so this book is actually a lot about Teddy and Everett. Everett is our Jim Henson inspired uh, 
male protagonist. And what I really liked about this book is that both Teddy and Everett are imperfect people trying to be better. They are trying to figure out who they are. Everett, who has his own children's kind of puppeteer show on public television. So there's your Mr. Rogers influence. He is realizing he's a little bit of a workaholic and he has put his love life and his relationships just in general. He's put them on the back burner. And so he is trying to achieve a better balance, I think, in his life. Teddy realizes that she kind of became lost in her previous relationship and is trying to come into her own. She moves in with her two friends, which this is something I love about Carrie Winfrey's books, and it's what I like about the best rom-coms. You've heard me say it before, but the best rom-coms, I think, have really delightfully funny, fully realized, quirky side characters, and Carrie Winfrey does a great job of that. In the book, Teddy goes to live with her two friends and their friendship and the friendship of that trio and how they re-invite Teddy into their lives is so lovely and so sweet and comforting. I loved the descriptions of the home they were creating together. I loved the descriptions of Everett's show. And again, just really liked that these were people that were trying really hard. So in our episode last week where Ashley and I kind of discussed books inspired by or influenced by Ted Lasso or books that would kind of fill you with the same feelings that the TV show Ted Lasso fills you with. Carrie Winfrey's book immediately came to mind. Very sincerely, yours immediately came to mind because these characters, much like the characters in Ted Lasso, are complex. They've got issues. They've got baggage. They've got real things kind of clinging to them. They are not completely rose-colored characters. These are characters with flaws and with what feel like very real lives, but they are trying so hard and their earnestness is something that I love about Ted Lasso and that I love about this book. So you heard me rave about it last week, but I of course had to mention it here. It was the first book I finished in July and I truly, truly loved it. It is Very Sincerely Yours by Carrie Winfrey. It's also worth noting, and maybe this is superficial to me, but it's a little bit longer than Carrie's other books. And so I really Really felt like the characters were given a lot of room to breathe and to grow. And so that was a nice plus too. The next book I picked up was Rock the Boat by Beck Dory Stein. This is a book that I'm recommending to people who like Amy Papel. Amy Papel's book, Musical Chairs, is a book that kind of saved my summer last year. I don't recall reading just a ton of books, particularly in the latter part of the summer that I just loved and devoured, but Musical Chairs by Amy Papel was one. And I think it's because I read it as it released. It wasn't an ARC. It wasn't something I was reading for anything else. It was a book I just picked up because I thought I might like it. And I really, I really wound up loving it. I think it made my top 10 of 2020, if I'm not mistaken. So Rock the Boat to me is similar kind of well-written feel-good fiction in the vein of Amy Papel or maybe Emma Straub or something like that. You might recognize Beck Dory Stein from her previous book called From the Corner of the Oval. She was a stenographer in the White House during President Obama's years there. And I've heard that book is excellent. I have not read it. It's a memoir. It came highly recommended to me after I posted reviews of this book, which is Beck Dory Stein's first novel. She is a former high school English teacher. So I think the writing is really good. Again, I had not read her previous book, so I didn't quite know what to expect. And I knew this would be a departure, right? Because the other book was a memoir and this is fiction. But I really wound up loving it. It's mostly about a character named Kate, but also her two high school friends, Miles and Ziggy. 
Maybe this sounds crazy, but it almost reminded me of Dawson's Creek, the latter season where, especially in those last two episodes, am I geeking out here? I don't know, uh, where the characters kind of come back home to Cape Side. So Kate has lost her job. She returns back to her hometown on the coast of New Jersey. She is joined there by her friends, Miles and Ziggy, who she really hasn't kept in touch with. And they have returned or have been in this hometown as well. So one of them has lived there long term. The other one is coming back much like Kate is. And they have some ghosts, metaphorical ghosts to tackle. This is not a ghost story, but they have like these metaphorical things in their past that they're kind of uncovering and and coming to terms with in their adulthood. I really like this book and I wound up lending it to my mom because there's a really feel-good element to this story where Kate is trying to figure out who she is, much like, in fact, I felt it like a lot of my books that I read this month were kind of intertwined with one another. And I that was completely accidental. But Teddy from Very Sincerely Yours is trying to figure out her life and her passion and what she wants to do. There's a small business element that's really lovely. And the same is true for Kate in Rock the Boat. So Kate is trying to figure out who she is and what she wants to do after she's lost her job and as she's trying to find a new one. She's also back home when she really had no desire to be back in this hometown, in this small town where she was from. So there's a lot here that felt familiar as somebody who moved away from her hometown and never really thought she'd live in it or close to it. And and so I really liked that element of the story. I also absolutely fell in love with the setting of this book. So Rock the Boat is set in this small coastal town in New Jersey, and it makes me want to vacation on the coast of New Jersey. I just really felt like the setting was so beautifully written and so warm and inviting. And you guys know I love a summer book in the middle of summer. I don't really love reading winter books (laughs) in the middle of summer. And so one of the things I really liked about this book was the summer setting and just this coastal piece that I guess I had while reading it. I just really loved these people and I wanted the best for them. And as Kate is figuring out who she is, there's this project she takes on at her local library. That's the that's the part that made me want to pass it on to my mom. I felt like my mom would really enjoy Kate rediscovering her passions and figuring out who she is and, and who she wanted to be. So I love this book. There are so many books that deal with high school friendships and kind of coming back to a hometown. And many of them go the thriller route. Some of them go the comforting, like warm blanket route. This is definitely the latter. And for that reason, I really enjoyed this book. And it's one I haven't seen a ton of buzz about, which I'm kind of surprised by. I don't know if it's just because it's kind of in that feel good category of literature and sometimes that gets overlooked. But if you liked Very Sincerely Yours, if you like Amy Papel, if you like Emma Straub, I think you would really enjoy this one. It is called Rock the Boat by Beck Dory Stein. For an utter departure... My husband and I listened to Survive the Night by Riley Sager. This is a book that I wanted to read. I've read all of Riley Sager's books. I... I'm always hesitant to describe myself as a fan of anything. I just think it's kind of opposite of my personality to fully fan over something. But I do really rely on Riley Sager for these just kind of one sit overnight reads that I just love because of the ride they take me on. And I was really looking forward to this one. So if you are not familiar, Riley Sager writes thriller horror stories very much based in suspense and horror tropes, which is why sometimes I can't decide fully where one of his books lies. Like I, because they deal so much in the land of horror and suspense tropes, sometimes it is hard for me to figure out, wait, is this genius? Like, <laughs> like, is this genius or is it a little bit cheesy, like a good suspense or horror movie? So 
The premise of Survive the Night was what really intrigued me. I was always going to read it, but I definitely was looking forward to this one because it's about a character named Charlie. This is set in 1991, so the setting is really fun. Charlie is trying to leave her college campus and go home. She's experienced some trauma at her college campus and she is taking the rest of the semester off, maybe even taking the rest of her college career off. Maybe her college career is over and she needs a ride. And so she grabs a ride with this guy who she soon suspects is a serial killer. Now, here is what I want to tell you. That premise is what was sold to me and it's exactly why I picked up the book. I, I do not want to spoil anything, but this book did not go the direction I thought it was going to or that I really was prepared for or wanting it to. So I fully thought this was going to be like an overnight because the book really is told hour by hour. So I thought this was going to be a book about Charlie defending herself and surviving the night against a serial killer. The book takes several kind of twists and turns. And so it wasn't exactly what I anticipated, but Jordan and I really did enjoy listening to it. It was very fun for a road trip to listen to it, although it did make rest stops feel very precarious. (laughs) In a way, I'm not sure I fully endorse or recommend, but the audiobook was a really fun listening experience, particularly on a long road trip. And Jordan in particular, this is not typically Jordan's genre. So it was fun to listen to together. And then I did die laughing because Jordan is super smart. If you've met him or had or you've heard him on the podcast, maybe you could intuit that. But he's super smart, but he's very slow in picking up plot lines. <laughs> like, <laughs> like in TV shows and movies, he is very slow. And so it cracked me up that he kind of immediately, I think, tapped into what Riley Sager was doing even before I did, which is so rare in our marriage. And so it, it was very entertaining to me. Very fun listening experience. I just like Riley Sager. I think he's pretty reliable. I feel similarly about Grady Hendrix, so I've not read all of Grady Hendrix's works. Again, there are times when I can't tell if if a Riley Sager book I'm reading is cheesy and just fun and campy or if it's utter genius because of the way he's tackling with and dealing with tropes. But I really did like this one. It's just not the book plot I was really fully expecting. And that's okay. Um, But I do want you to know if you, like me, are kind of sold on this idea of like riding in a car with Ted Bundy overnight, that's not really the book you're getting. And so I just want to prepare you for that mentally because I wish I had been prepared for that mentally. So then I could have just enjoyed it for what it was. So that is Survive the Night by Riley Sager. I enjoyed it on audio. Olivia read the physical book. So I think either way, you'd be good to go there. Okay, then I picked up another feel-good book, which a lot of the books I read in July really did kind of fall into this category. I think it's honestly a testament to the state of my brain. I'm having a harder time, not that this is a therapy session, but I do feel like I'm having a harder time this summer than last summer, and maybe that's wishful thinking. And I do, as a personality, my personality tends to look back on the past with rose-colored glasses. So I know last summer was really hard and difficult, but my reading life has been a little bit upturned, I think, for the last mm, 16 months. And this summer, I have just felt rather ambivalent about a lot of the books I've been picking up. And so I think I was drawn to, particularly this month, kind of feel-good fiction, which made me pick up New Girl in Little Cove. This is a book by Damnot Monahan. This was recommended to me by Kate Storhoff. You've heard me talk about Kate many times. She is one of the managers at Bookmarks in North Carolina. She's a former bookshelf employee. And she and I have 
a pretty good overlap in terms of our Venn diagram of reading tastes. And I'm pretty sure she even tagged me in her review of this book. So I was anxious to read it. It's got a really, um, is fun the right word? It's got a really light cover. Like when I think about this book cover and I think about this book, I just, the burden immediately removes itself from my shoulders. Like I just looked at this book cover and felt happy. It's it's of this girl kind of standing on the coast. This is a book set in 1985 with a character named Rachel. Rachel is a young teacher who has moved to the very outskirts of Newfoundland to teach at this Catholic school. And Rachel has her own issues and qualms with the Catholic church, but she's kind of hiding those truths about herself so that she can teach and so that she can take this position. She's recovering. Not that you ever recover. She's She's processing the loss of her dad and is trying to find a place where she can grieve quietly. She and her mother have an interesting relationship, and they both are grieving in very different ways. And so Rachel has moved to this town to teach at this Catholic school. I love this book so much. I know a lot of people, I think a lot of people will read this and be reminded of Anne of Green Gables, particularly Anne in her adult years where she's teaching at you know, this little Canadian school. The same is certainly true of Rachel. Although, again, this is set in the 80s and Rachel has her own issues with faith and doubt that come to play, which of course I loved because I love literature that deals with that in an interesting way. I fell in love with the people and the setting of Newfoundland, much like Rock the Boat, which I loved for the New Jersey coast. I absolutely loved New Girl in Little Cove for its rich setting. And as much as I love a summer setting in my summertime reading, I did love this book. This book is set over a school year and it's set in Newfoundland. So obviously not the steamy temperatures. The steamy temperatures I'm experiencing are not portrayed in in New Girl and Little Cove. And that was fine with me because I loved the people so much. I could definitely see myself rereading this one. I could see myself re-immersing myself in this world. I wouldn't mind if this became a series. I don't think there are any plans for that to be the case, but I certainly wouldn't mind it. I I really love this book. It honestly reminded me, and partly because the way Domnott Monaghan wrote the dialect of this particular little city in Newfoundland, this little coastal town in Newfoundland, reminded me so much of kind of the the Irish lilt. And Jordan and I, I do not necessarily recommend it, but one of the first movies we saw back in the theater earlier this summer was a movie called Finding You. No idea why Jordan picked it, except at the time there were not many movies playing in the theater. And we just so desperately wanted to go see a movie. And so we went and saw this one. Again, don't really recommend. Maybe you could rent it at home and it'd be fine. It was a fine movie, but I loved the Irish setting and the people. And I was very much reminded of that movie, which I'm pretty sure is based on a book. I really felt rather so-so about that movie, but this book to me did it, but better. And I think it might also remind folks, so it might remind you of Anne Anne of Green Gables, might remind you of Finding You. I think it could also remind you of Jan Karen's Mitford books. I just, if you like the Mitford books, I think you'll really like this one. It's dealing with slightly heavier things, although I think some of the Mitford books actually do deal with some heavier subject matter. But mostly it's about a community of people who I think you will absolutely fall in love with. Obviously, there's Rachel, the main character, but all of the very rich side characters, particularly the woman who she lives with, who she kind of boards with, is very fun. There's just a 
a lot to love about this book and it's a thin little paperback. You will fly through it. If you're in a reading slump and you like some of the books I've already mentioned, I think you might want to try this one. It is New Girl in Little Cove by Domnot Monaghan. I feel like all of the books I read this month were read in or around other places, meaning I did not do a lot of reading from home (laughs) this month. I was on the road a lot more than I really fully anticipated being. And so this next book I picked up while in McDonough, Georgia. I was visiting a friend of mine and McDonough has a little bookstore on the bricks there on on their town square called Stories on the Square. And I picked up this young adult book called You Have a Match. This is by Emma Lord. It was a Reese Witherspoon pick for her young adult book club. Let me tell you why I bought this. I had a stack of books and Hunter, I don't know if Hunter is listening to this, but Hunter, if you're listening, Hunter and I texted back and forth about what book I should buy because I like to support independent bookstores when I'm traveling, but I also have to acknowledge that I own an independent bookstore and therefore do not need to like buy a giant stack of books. So I had this stack of books that I kind of wanted or was choosing among. And none of them were You Have a Match by Emma Lord. Like I never sent a picture of this one to Hunter. And Hunter had great ideas for what I should read. And I was fully prepared to buy a different book. But then I saw this one on the shelf and I was struck by its summertime camp setting. But I'm going to read you the part of the blurb that struck me. So, and this is just of the blurb. Like I'm sure Emma Lord did not write this, but Whoever wrote this blurb, well done, because it made me pick up this book. So the end of the blurb was, but part of life is showing up, leaning in, and learning to fit all your awkward pieces together, because sometimes the hardest things can also be the best ones. I can't really fully describe to you how that sat with me and how that resonated with me in the moment. But I immediately was like, oh, this is the book I need to buy. And so I bought this book at Stories on the Square in McDonough, Georgia, immediately read it. I think I read it while I was at my friend's house and then read it a little bit when I got home and I loved it. So it is a young adult book. It's not maybe, I felt like I read two really great young adult books last summer that I really loved. I wouldn't quite put this one on par with those, but I think the premise is really original and creative and very parent trap related. So if you like me are obsessed with parent trap, this, this could be fun for you. So our main character is Abby. She, along with her two dear friends, kind of sign up for this DNA test, you know, like ancestry.com or something like that. And so they each do it for various reasons. And Abby has no real expectation that her results will come back with anything unusual. But of course, as is with the case in good literature, something does come back unusual. And that is that she has a full sister who she knew nothing about. She had no idea that there was this sister of hers kind of living out in the world. Not only that, but of course, as with the case in young adult literature, this sister of hers is beautiful and this really famous or semi-famous Instagram influencer. And next thing you know, both girls meet through this DNA site and they try to uncover the truths of their sisterhood and their parents and why things were kept secret from them and why they're being raised by different parents. And they do it all at this summer camp. So hence the parent trap vibes, very firm and strong here. There's also a love story that I found pretty secondary, but Abby and her, one of her best friends, Leo, they kind of have been sidestepping each other for years and kind of you know, 
tiptoeing around this potential potential romance. I enjoyed that part of the book, but honestly, the real meat of this story is Abby and her and her sister Savvy and them figuring out who each other is and the truths of who they are. And I really liked that part. Again, this wasn't quite my favorite young adult book that I've read in recent memory. I felt like I read ones that I really loved last summer. I'm thinking of The Names They Gave Us by Emery Lord. That is also a camp book. And Lucky Caller by Emma Mills. Both of those just really stick out to me as young adult books I've truly adored in the last year or so. But I really did like this one. And if you're looking for a summer camp setting, and again, if Parent Trap is one of your favorite movies of all time, then I think you'll really enjoy this one for what it is. It is called You Have a Match by Emma Lord. Next up, I did another audiobook. So that's another thing that's really been different about my reading life this summer is I feel like I have been enjoying or at least attempting to enjoy, because they're not always my first choice, audiobooks. And I decided to listen to Falling by T.J. Newman. I have said that my audiobooks need to be eight hours or fewer, and they need to have a really good narrator, obviously. And they mostly are nonfiction, but I obviously tried some fiction this summer, and Falling was recommended to me by Olivia. She read this book in its physical format and loved it. And the way she described it to me, I thought, well, maybe that could be a good audiobook. Something that has also helped my audiobook listening habits is that Erin, one of our shop employees, she helps run our online sales, and you probably have communicated with her, perhaps via email. She does a lot of audiobook listening, and so I'm always anxious to hear what she's been listening to, and she has convinced me on a couple of audiobooks, and this was one of them. So Falling by T.J. Newman is a thriller suspense novel about a man named Bill who is a pilot, and he is piloting his commercial jet full of people from LAX to New York City. And pretty much the moment he, you know, the plane takes off, he receives a call and realizes that his family on the ground has been taken hostage. And he has two options. He can either crash the plane or his family will die. So those are the options immediately presented to him. If you are a fan of Harrison Ford action movies of the 90s, hello, this is for you, which is what I've always said about, I think, Blake Crouch novels. But I love this book and it reminded me so much of like a really good Harrison Ford thriller, maybe Ben Affleck, but just a really good suspense movie of the 80s or 90s. I love this book. It did not hurt that TJ Newman is a flight attendant and she wrote this book kind of in between and on these flights that she was working. And so I think you really get a good picture of the amount of training that a flight attendant goes through. I think this would be a very fun pairing with the book, The Layover, which I read last month. Now, The Layover is, believe me, just a complete rom-com situation. This is a very intense thriller suspense book. Again, Olivia read the physical book and loved it. I thought my audiobook reading experience is one of the best audiobooks I've listened to in years, probably since I listened to the book Rabbit Cake, which also had a fantastic narrator. So this was narrated by Steven Weber. Apparently he is an actor, and I think you could definitely tell this reading definitely felt like a performance. I felt like I was enjoying a show, to be honest with you. And there were parts that honestly, I had to look up who the audiobook 
reader was because I thought it was Stanley Tucci. (laughs) I fully thought that in his spare time this summer, Stanley Tucci decided to narrate this audiobook. That is not the case. It's this man named Stephen Weber. Nevertheless, excellent narration. I completely felt like I was on the plane. I listened to this on my way to McDonough, Georgia and back and just kind of, it was the kind of audiobook that I felt like like when I got home, I hadn't quite finished it. So I needed to do things that would require me to finish it. So I listened to it in the morning while I got ready. I listened to it every chance I could so that I could really fully immerse myself in this story. If you are looking for a suspense novel this summer, I honestly can't think of a better one. And I've named other suspense books in this episode. (laughs) But I think Falling stands above the rest just in terms of a read it in one sitting, utterly get lost in the story just for a fun, like, again, 80s, 90s throwback is what it felt like to me, like a 90s, um, I don't know, airplane book. I I just really liked it. It is called Falling by TJ Newman. I loved my audiobook listening experience, but I think you could go either way on this one and really enjoy it and appreciate it. Okay. (laughs) total. I'm laughing because I just, I always make this list. And then when I start describing things, I'm like, wow, really all over the, really all over the place this month. Okay. Next up the book millennial nuns by the daughters of St. Paul. If you are a Patreon supporter, you undoubtedly heard me and Olivia talking about nuns. And when this book came out, I immediately said on that podcast on Patreon that I was going to take this one home because I am very, I do not want to sound disrespectful in any way. I'm very fascinated by and enamored with nuns and their calling and and their purpose. And I was super intrigued by this because I often, maybe you do too, think of nuns as older I don't even know that it's because of like the sound of music or sister act or what, but I just feel like I didn't know that there was a population of devoted Catholic women who were still answering this call. Like, I just did not know that millennials or Gen Zers were becoming nuns. And that is super naive of me. Anyway, this book is a collection of essays written by different sisters in the Daughters of St. Paul. And look, I think, well, first of all, I think if you are a Catholic, you will undoubtedly enjoy or appreciate this book because you are probably even more familiar, hopefully more familiar than I am with the Catholic Church and its rituals and its traditions. I am not Catholic, uh, but again, really love, as you all know, I love books about faith. I love books that deal with faith. This was different because this is not fiction. This is these women writing essentially their testimonies, to borrow an evangelical term or what I think of as an evangelical term, them sharing their testimonies and their stories of kind of how they became daughters of St. Paul. And each one of their stories is super different. I imagine that was the intent. Like each one of these women has a very different story. Some of them are true, what I would call conversion stories. Some of them are people who grew up in faith and grew up deeply entrenched and rooted in Catholicism. I absolutely fell in love with these women. I want to meet them. I don't think I will ever get to, but I really wish I could. They wrote so beautifully and profoundly about their callings. And some of the essays were not like the best written things I'd ever read. But honestly, that was not the point of this book. (laughs) Uh, The point of this book was to share about 
their livelihoods and their callings. And I learned a lot about Catholicism. And I heard in some of these essays the same polls or questions I have about Catholicism or issues in church. I think every church has its own issues and struggles. And you could hear some of these women grappling with those just like I do. And that was really refreshing. Also just really refreshing their sincerity and their devotedness. So each of these women is devout. And I don't mean, I don't mean like head in the clouds, goody two shoes. I'm trying to think of it's pious. Pious is the word I'm looking for. I don't mean pious. I mean devout. These women are dedicated to their callings. And what I personally learned and found fascinating is the daughters of St. Paul are committed to evangelizing through media. So the subtitle of this book deals with social media. I left off the subtitle because I actually don't think it accurately portrays the book itself. I thought, honestly, that this book would help me handle social media better. That is not what this book is about. This is about being a nun who is a millennial (laughs) and how they each came to their callings and heard their callings and also how they share their stories. And these are nuns who are very savvy in terms of marketing. Like these women, some of them went to college. Some of them didn't go to college. Some of them have PhDs. Some of them work in printing presses and in publishing. Some of them run children's book fairs, which I loved. So like I just pictured the pious life or the nun's life. I think like like Whoopi Goldberg probably pictured it in Sister Act. You know what I mean? I think I pictured it a very certain way and learning what their days look like was fascinating, but also, and this is going to sound weird, but I'm telling you, this is how I operate. I learned a lot about professional development. <laughs> I I feel like I try so hard to read professional development books and instead books about nuns and that oral history of the office are where I've learned some really great things about professional development and leadership. So I learned a lot about professional development. I learned a lot about spiritual growth and development, little truths that I really needed to hear. And so my copy is well-worn already, and I read bits and pieces aloud to Jordan. I fell in love with these women. I'm so grateful for this book. It is certainly going to be a standout book for me just in terms of very unusual from what I certainly have read in the last five to 10 years. I think maybe 10 years ago, pre-bookshelf, I was reading more spiritual growth books than I am now. And that is not what I was anticipating when I picked up this book, but that is partially what I found. And then partially just found an inside look into the deep, deep calling of these women to to service and to God. And I really liked it. So it is called Millennial Nuns. It's by the Daughters of St. Paul. Again, total departure. Next up, a book I'm highly anticipating. Well, I was highly anticipating it. Now I've read it. Now you can highly anticipate it. This book comes out in October. I'm so sorry. But it is called My Monticello. This is by Jocelyn Nicole Johnson. Maybe you've already seen this one. I don't know. I had seen it in a couple of places and was super excited when I got the ARC. I think if you like Colson Whitehead, you will love this book. It is a collection of, I think, three or four short stories followed by the novella, My Monticello. All of the stories are set in Virginia, where Jocelyn Nicole Johnson is from. And I loved it. They're all about the, all of the stories are about the Black experience in Virginia, but they're also a little bit, gosh, I don't want to say post-apocalyptic, 
But they are imagining, I think, a near future world, at least in my Monticello, a near future world and what our world might like might look like if we continue down the trajectory we are on. I think this book has a lot to say about modern culture and modern politics and issues. However, it's also just really good writing and really good storytelling. So if you find yourself maybe shying away from political literature right now, I get it, but that's that's not all that this is. I feel like this book is also just deeply well-written. Like, it's just really well-written. And I, in case you have not been able to tell from my last couple of reading recaps, I have had trouble with literary fiction, which is a real sadness to me because that is my favorite genre. But literary fiction has been a struggle for me for months now, it feels like, where I can only do one or two a month, whereas normally I feel like I was devouring at least four, at least four a month. And so this was so refreshing to finally like hunker down on my couch with a work of literary fiction. I think it helped that these were short stories and that then at the end you get this novella. And there's a short story in particular that I think has been published elsewhere. My understanding is that it had been previously published called Control Negro. It was blurbed or referenced somewhere by Roxane Gay. You may be able to Google for it and find it, but I would also encourage you to read it as part of this collection because I think it really helped make this collection complete. I thought that short story was so brilliant. And then to go into my Monticello, which I'll give you a little um, a little insight into what that the, that novella is about. So my Monticello is envisioning again a near future in which something has happened. We're not quite sure as the reader, we're not quite given full information about what has happened, but we are clearly living in a disaster or post-disaster world. And this group of people who all live on the same neighborhood, mostly black and brown people, but also white people, managed to kind of escape their neighborhood and get on this van. And the driver of the van is a former employee of the Monticello Museum, like the home of Thomas Jefferson. And so she drives everyone to Monticello where they wind up kind of camping out and trying to survive. What is really interesting is that this main character is a relative of Sally Hemings. And so this history of hers comes out when she arrives at Monticello and she remembers that this house is partially hers. And so there's just a lot here about history and how we interpret and how we read history, who the writers of history were and what we have been taught But again, also just really good storytelling. In part, my Monticello reminded me a little bit of a book I read a few years ago, and I did reference it on the podcast. It's called The End We Start From by Megan Hunter. She wrote The Harpy that came out last year. But that book is also kind of a post-disaster book and a story of survival. And that's really what my Monticello felt like was this story of survival. I cannot say enough good things about this book. I think there are several things to like about it especially if you're like me and out of practice of reading literary fiction. It's short. It's got short stories. So you can kind of just read them one at a time, devour them, and then let them go. (laughs) You know what I mean? And then move on to the next set of characters. Um, Although the reality is that I think these people will stick with me a while. I think I'll be hand selling this one a lot. I really, really liked it. It releases on October 7th, and it is called My Monticello by Jocelyn Nicole Johnson. 
Okay, last up, I finished the beautiful memoir, Beautiful Country by Chien Julie Wong. I think this one is going to be everywhere. I actually think my Monticello is going to be everywhere too. I'm just kind of on high alert for where those books are going to be. But I suspect we're going to see these books as, you know, national book club picks, celebrity picks. And I certainly think you're going to start seeing beautiful country places. This is published on September 7th. So you've got a little while for this one. Cheyenne wrote this on her daily subway commute while she also worked as a practicing litigator and like was working to make partner in her firm. So I feel like that tells you a little bit about who she is. And I think that resilience and that stubbornness really come out in this memoir. You're probably going to hear this one compared to Educated. I understand that comparison. Wong is a Chinese-American immigrant. The book is about coming to America and her parents coping with what happened to them when they came over to America and the life they led in China versus the life they led in New York, where she wound up being raised. The writing in this book is so original. That's why I, I I will understand the comparisons to Educated, which I adored when it came out a few years ago. But this book, the writing is almost more poetic. And I hope you could get a sense of it maybe at the start of the podcast. That's how I opened the podcast was with a quote from this book. And I, I wanted to you to be able to hear the rhythm of this story. So it's it's a traditional memoir in that it's divided up into chapters. The storytelling is relatively linear, but the writing feels more poetic to me. And I maybe that's my imagination, but it just feels really rhythmic in how in the phrasings and how she words things. And so I feel I find the writing to be especially powerful. I also think, and again, I think this is why folks will be comparing this to educated. I also think because she is writing about her childhood, you almost feel like the book is being narrated by a child. It's not. She's obviously an adult writer writing and looking back on her life. But the way she is writing really does make you feel like you're there with her as a young person trying to figure out why your life has changed so, so completely. And where is this beautiful country you were told existed? And so it really opens your eyes to a specific immigrant experience. She, my understanding is that she was led to finally kind of put this story down on paper after some of the issues that came during the Trump administration with immigration. I just think it's a really powerful book and a really good book. And I think will open, yeah, open up, I hate to use that cliche, but I think it will open a lot of people's eyes, including my own, to the immigrant experience and to her experience in particular. I really loved what I read and I think you will too. I suspect we're going to see this book everywhere this fall. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's already on like highly anticipated lists and things like that. But I guess I'm here to tell you from my perspective, very much deserving of being on those lists. I really, really liked it. And I, I think readers will, I think it will resonate with readers too. That is the last book I read in July. So again, kind of a lot of feel-good books, but also closed out the month, I think, with books more traditional to what I typically am drawn to. So that was kind of comforting. And I, yeah, I would love to hear what you read in July. You can comment on our Instagram at Bookshelf Teville and fill us in on what you read this month. From the Front Porch is a weekly podcast production of The Bookshelf an independent bookstore in South Georgia. 
You can follow the Bookshelf's daily happenings on Instagram at Bookshelf T-Bill, and all the books from today's episode can be purchased online through our store website, www.bookshelfthomasville.com. A full transcript of today's episode can be found at fromthefrontporchpodcast.com. Special thanks to Dylan and his team at Studio D Production for sound and editing and for our theme music, which sets the perfect warm and friendly tone for our Thursday conversations. This week, what I'm reading is brought to you by Visit Thomasville. I am finally back home this week. I feel like I have been all over the place, as I referenced in this week's episode. I just feel like I've been on the road a lot. But I was back in the bookshelf on Tuesday, and the first people I really got to talk with outside of the bookshelf staff was a couple visiting Thomasville from Virginia. And getting to hear their experience of Thomasville was so refreshing, and it was so neat to hear how much joy and pleasure they were finding in our town. Sometimes when you live in a place, you forget how lovely it really is. And although I've certainly felt a little bit of that as I've had the opportunity to go some places and then come back home, it was really nice to hear it from other people, to hear from people who are visiting Thomasville and who find it to be a really relaxing place to visit, a really hometown feeling place to visit and a warm and inviting place to visit. I loved that even though they were visiting in the heat of the summer and the wet of the summer, it has been very rainy here. They found a lot to love about our town, including the beautiful historic homes, the walkable streets, and the friendly shopkeepers. Those are the very same things I love about Thomasville. To find out more about how you can visit Thomasville, go to thomasvillega.com. This week, I'm reading Tacky, Love Letters to the Worst Culture We Have to Offer by Rax King. It is as funny as the title would suggest. Thank you again to our sponsor, Visit Thomasville. Whether you live close by or are just passing through, I really do believe that you would enjoy a visit to beautiful Thomasville, Georgia. If you liked what you heard on today's episode, tell us by leaving a review on iTunes. Or if you're so inclined, support us on Patreon, where you can hear our staff's weekly new release Tuesday conversations, read full book reviews in our monthly Shelf Life newsletter, follow along as Hunter and I conquer a classic, and receive free media mail shipping on all your online book orders. Just go to patreon.com forward slash from the front porch. We're so grateful for you, and we look forward to meeting back here next week. 